right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Real Freedom Podcast, where we talk about building wealth, um, gaining time and financial freedom through opportunities in real estate. And one of the things that I love is for many people, they view folks in the medical profession as that's the the be all end all. If I could be a doctor, um, if I could be in the medical field, I'll have enough money. I'll have everything that I want. And what we find is that's not always the case. You don't have the time freedom. Um, you don't always have the chance to do what you want, call your shots. And so on this podcast, we've had a few people that have come from the medical field and have got into real estate investing. So that's the case with today's guest. We've got Roderick Capello. Uh, he's a pediatric orthopedic surgeon out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area and now a seasoned real estate investor. So you've co-founded Pediatric Sports and Spine Associates back in 2006. And now today, kind of jumping ahead, you have about 2,400 multifamily units in five states. You founded Fortis Equity Group, co-author of two best-selling books, Purpose, Passion, and Profits, as well as Persistence, Pivots, and Game Changers, Turning Challenges into Opportunities. And so we're here to talk about multifamily apartments. We're here to talk about building wealth, using the medical field as an opportunity to springboard your real estate career. And so, Roderick, we're so excited to have you on the show. Hey, first of all, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on the show. It's fantastic. And, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you said, uh, you know, uh, you thought your medical profession is the end all be all. I thought the same thing. My mm-hmm. dad told me, my dad was a quintessential poor dad, you know, go to school, get good grades, don't have any debt, uh, you know, and you'll, you know, you'll be financially sound. And, you know, that might've been true when he told me 35 years ago, 40 years ago, but um, the game's changed and uh, really insurance companies are in control, federal uh, regulations are in control. And so, uh, yeah, I just was decided to make, uh, you know, to create a second stream of income uh, in addition to medicine and uh, circumstances what they were to me towards real estate. Do you want to just kind of share a little bit about your medical background sure. and how that came to be? And even as an entrepreneur, starting a company and, and just because you have a medical background doesn't mean you're great at running businesses. There's there's lots of skills involved in that. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to just hear that before we springboard into the real sure. estate piece. Yeah, yeah. So pediatric orthopedic surgery. So that's like bones and joints on kids, sports injuries in adolescents, uh, scoliosis and stuff like that. And did a bunch of stuff you're going to be born with that y'all never heard of. And, um, you know, I, I was really, it's a calling. I love doing what I do. I really enjoy what I do. But if I don't, but I own my own practice. And if I don't see 30 patients a day, I don't make money. So imagine the pressure of having to run a certain amount of patients through the day when you want to give them great customer service and you feel that pressure of volume, volume, volume. And whether or not you like medicine is irrelevant. If you're running your business, you got to get that going. So mm-hmm. I guess at the time, I didn't know it when I decided to start my own medical practice with my former partner, but I am an entrepreneur. I am an entrepreneur that happens to practice medicine, which by the way, is a very challenging way to make, <laughs> to make money because you can't leverage that. Mm-hmm. I'm an entrepreneur that has created a real estate company. And um, you know, I didn't know what that meant at the time, but I uh, started my medical practice and things were going well for a while, making good money, uh, working really hard. And then, you know, your life changes after a while. I had kids and my perception, my perspective changed. It wasn't about being in the hospital and doing all these surgeries, you know, late at night and getting paid well for it. It was about being home with my, my little babies and, uh, and, and being able to have the energy to, to spend with them. And so, uh, you know, just like anything, your perspective changes over time. And, uh, and after a while, I was sort of getting dissatisfied with medicine, getting dissatisfied with the fact that I had the pressure of having to see so many patients, having to do so much work just to keep, just to keep the doors open, to be honest with you. Everybody thinks doctors are rich. Uh, for those listeners, you, most of your doctor friends are not rich. They might have two really nice cars and a really big house, but it's all leveraged. 
They can't stop what they're doing and they can't take six months off of work and keep their same lifestyle. So to me, that's not the definition of rich. So, you know, things are going great. And, and this is going to be a long story or a short story. Um, I, uh, I, I, re- I learned the hard way that uh, we're not in control of the medical situation. Um, a hospital CEO made a decision that cut my compensation by about 50% in the same month that I'm supposed to close on my dream home and my mortgage is about to double. And so uh, I did what every good doctor would do. I joined network marketing and uh, to make a secondary stream of income. I say that facetiously. Uh, but the blessing was I learned some folks in network marketing that exposed me to this concept of personal development, you know, making yourself better to get the things that you might want in life, uh, helping those around you get where they want to go. And so you get where you want to go. And uh, that really changed my perception, changed my perspective, caused my former business owner, my business partner and I to go our separate ways because our, our our philosophies on how to run a business diverged. I believe in pouring into my employees, making them know how much I care about them, telling them how awesome they are. And so they don't have to learn to be happy. They're just, they're just happy at work because they like the environment and the, the culture. And so um, as my perspective and, and ideas of how to do business changed, uh, I had that very uh, challenging financial situation with the hospital CEO. And it was just the time was right. I, I met some folks and my, uh, I won't, I won't uh, you know, give it, um, um, you know, to the end of the story, but my circumstances led towards real estate. I put one foot in front of the other and carry them. Yeah. Well, and yeah, that that is the story that you hear. At least the the folks that I've interviewed on the podcast that have had that background in medicine is is yeah, you you don't get the 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 lifestyle freedom. You don't get the chance to make choices because, like you said, you you have to do surgeries. You have to show up. It's long hours. It's grueling. And then too, when you fast forward that 10, 20, 30 years down the road you then don't have the the passive income to be able to show for it like you would in real estate. And so it's, mm-hmm. you continue to do it. And once you turn off that faucet, the faucet's off. And mm-hmm. so that's at least the story that I've, I've, I've heard from folks in the medical background that do then get into real estate is look with real estate, I'm building something that's growing um, and being able to use the income that I'm earning um, at the same time to help start to feed that. And then two, there's lots of groups of medical professionals helping each other invest in real estate as well, Absolutely. because yeah. you've got the shared experience and now you're able to, mm-hmm. to do something and build something together. Absolutely. Well, the other thing is we get pitched everything, right? Everybody knows that doctors have some expendable income. So if you're a financial planner or you want them to invest, we get, we get pitched all kinds of stuff. And so when I got involved in real estate and started having some success as a passive investor, I realized, you know what? I understand this now. I didn't know what cash on cash from meant from a prefer, preferred return when I got started. But when I when I realized I could speak real estate and I could speak doctor and, and I was investing with people that were not my friends, they were just people that I knew, people that I invested with many times and went to vacations with them and hung out with them. I could bridge that gap between what do I do with my money? And I don't trust this person over here, but this, this is a guy over here is a doctor like me and he knows these people and he's investing right alongside me. Not only did I feel it was an opportunity for me to bring uh, stuff to my, my fellow uh, colleagues, but also I felt they were calling. I felt like I was I was doing them a disservice if I didn't share it because I was so happy with the way things were going for me that I couldn't just hold it in. I had to say, look, guys, here's what I'm doing. And if you like it, great. And if they don't want to invest, that's fine. Well, and too, you know, people want to work with people they know, like, and trust. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if you guys have that shared experience together, you're in the same profession, at least there's that common ground and they know where they could find mm-hmm. you if they needed to find you and, <laughs> and right. say, Hey, you know, shake, shake, shake the cages a little bit and say, that's what right. are you doing? So talk about those early days, how that first investment, first couple of investments worked. How did you find yeah. the people? How did it yeah. come together? And 
So, like I mentioned, I got involved in, in, uh, in um, uh, because of a financial crisis uh, with the with the what I mentioned. I got involved with network marketing, and uh, it was a great company. Uh, and uh, and so they introduced me to the concept of personal development. Started reading books by um, you know Jim Rohn and um, all, all kinds of different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and one um, one of my friends said, "Hey, would you like to go to a business mastermind at the home of Jim Rohn's business partner?" And I said, what's a mastermind? Doctors don't mastermind. We already know everything. What would you go somewhere to learn, right? And so I went and it was a, a group of people, a lot of real estate investors, some network marketers, some attorneys, a different, you know, a couple of doctors. And they were just, it was a super positive environment of people trying to help each other. And honestly, I thought they were all being fake. I thought it was completely fake. So I went back the next month and it was the same people acting the same way. And after a while, I realized there's actually people that are happy, that have a great outlook on life, that look at the positive side of things and they want to help people around them. And that's not typically the way you would describe a physician, right? Just in general as a stereotype. And so uh, there was a couple of, uh, of, of successful real estate investors and I began to know them for a year, year and a half, and you know, looking at the performa and trying to ask, you know, try to not sound dumb, but ask a couple of good questions. I, I was ready to go and I got cold feet and I didn't do it. And then the next quit came along and next opportunity. And I finally invested. I said, okay, cool. And I got involved and then another one came along and I got involved and I got passively invested in five or six different uh, uh, syndications, mostly multifamily. And they were just going really well. And so I, I met those folks through this mastermind group uh, and, and just got to know them really well as people first. And so my comfort level was good for the person I was investing in. I didn't know anything about how to, you know, study market fundamentals and, you know, all the occupancy rate. Those, those were pretty new terms to me at the time. In fact, funny story, I go back and look at the perform- the, the marketing sheet that they gave me for our very first investment. And I look at that, and, I go, and now I think there's not even enough information here for me to invest. But at the time, I didn't know what I was doing, so it was fine with me, right? Yeah. Well, I think that's where, you know, I've I've heard from people that in in, you know, when you're talking about real estate as an investment, there's kind of three phases to what they want to know. The first one is, um, number one, are you not going to take my money and run away? Like some sort of Ponzi scheme, you know, no. something like that. So that's like the lowest level of investment is you're you're not going to take my money and run away. Um, kind of level two is I, I'm actually going to, I'm going to give you my money. And at the, at the least, I'm probably going to get it back, you know, where it's, it's yeah. a net neutral as zero yeah. of, you're not going to run away with my money. I'm not going to get rich, but at the same time, you're not going to lose me money. And then the third level is, is kind of, yes, I trust you that you're going to make me money. And that comes with time performance, a good reputation mm-hmm. um, to know like, okay, I'm going to give you my money. You're going to grow it. I trust you to grow it. And then we'll go continue to grow it after that. So yeah, Absolutely. you know, you're still kind of figuring out at, at least, at least you're not going to run away with my money. Right. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because one of my very first investors was a guy I met a dad on our soccer team probably four years ago. And we were just chatting real estate and I had just lost a bunch of money in a single family. My first foray in real estate, I didn't even cover that. I, I lost $40,000 on a single family investment because I partnered with the wrong guy and got a bad taste in my mouth and said, I don't want to do that. And so that's when syndication came my way. But I had an opportunity to invest and, and one of the soccer dads said, hey, that sounds good, but the minimum was more than he wanted to invest. So we put our funds together to, to meet the minimum. Anyway, long story short, four, three years later when it sold and I gave him his money back almost plus double his return, it was like an annualized ROI, was like 28%. And uh, he said, his response was, yes, it's not a Ponzi scheme. I said, that's what you were worried about? He said, well, you never really know until you get your money back and then some, right? So it's funny that you say that. A lot of people think that I think initially they just won't tell you that. So, so talk through then, 
the learning curve for you, mm-hmm. obviously now you, it started with, Hey, I got this sheet. I didn't really have enough information in hindsight to make a good decision. Um, walk through that process of educating yourself on real estate, finding people that are going to teach you what you need to know to where now you're, you know, raising a lot of money. You have a bunch of units yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's certainly it's a process. And, you know, going back to my my history as a doctor, what do you do? You, you study for a long time. You go to school for a long time. So innately, my response was, I got to learn this. So I started going to conferences uh, that were held by the people that I met in that mastermind group. Uh, and I went to, you know, probably four or five conferences a year for a year and a half before I did my first investment. So yes, educating. I, again, I, I didn't know cash on cash for preferred return. I didn't know economic vacancy from, you know, whatever. And so you just start to learn, learn a little bit at a time. So that's one thing is educate yourself to have a base amount of knowledge. The other thing is, it's really in partners. I think the life and, and business and everything is just about who you pick as a partner. And, and, and you know, are they going to compliment your skill set? Are they going to be honest and have integrity? And so I got really fortunate that I met these folks first. And so I felt very comfortable with them as people before I invested with them. And so things went well because, as it turns out, looking in retrospect, I, I partnered with the right people. The very first single family investment, I partnered with the wrong guy and lost $40,000. And so uh, one of my friends says, there's no lesson like a bought lesson. When you pay for the lesson, you're going to remember that. So I remember that lesson. But, uh, but uh, you know, it's partnering with the right people, people that have honesty and integrity, transparency. And so that one of the, the blessings of that was, as I started my own real estate company, it was very easy to know how to emulate them because that's the way they traded me when I had questions. It was all about board. And so just kind of passed those lessons I learned to, as I dealt with my investors. So now, you know, you have, you have Fortis Equity Group. Mm-hmm. Talk through what your role is, what you guys are doing and how you're selecting investments, raising money. Talk through that process. Yeah. So uh, along the lines of, uh, I said, I, I educated myself. I also joined, joined a couple of coaching programs and not where you have to pay to invest, but that, you know, there's people that are, they're, they're coaching you. And so it's a, it's an environment of lots of folks doing, doing real estate for various, some people are brand new. Some people have been doing it for a while. And, uh, but it's, again, it's an environment of, uh, 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 abundance, not scarcity. So anybody that knows what they're doing was happy to pass that along. And so, so there's a lot of folks sourcing deals. There's folks, um, you know, doing different aspects of it. And so, as I as as I invested passively and then enjoyed these coaching programs. Uh, and started meeting different different people and, you know, kind of realizing, hey, that person thinks like me, this person thinks like me. He was getting in small groups and and, and uh, starting syndication groups and general partnerships. I don't do most of the deals sourcing. Uh, usually I get in, um, there's, again, there's a whole group of people that have deals and when they find a deal they like, they'll approach me and say, hey, listen, you know, uh, this is the deal we're looking at. And I'll do a lot of the investor relations. I'll do some of the due diligence, uh, some of the capital raising uh, and, um, and, um, some of the, you know, at-risk capital and things like that. Just however I can, I can contribute and add value to the partnership. And what's kind of your criteria? What what generally are you looking yeah. for? Location, sizes, that sure. sort of thing? Yeah, it's usually a class B, C, typically value add uh, 100 to 400, 500 units in, uh, in the Southwest United States. Typically, we're in Texas, Arkansas, uh, Georgia, uh, Tennessee, uh, North Carolina. And so, you know, uh, business-friendly states in the Sun Belt area, 100 to 400 units, uh, typically, like I said, typically value add. Okay. And so did you s- kind of scale up to that or were were your initial syndications, 
you just had a smaller piece of the pie or were you kind of always a hundred units plus in your syndications? Uh, so, so usually it's a part of a group. We, like I said, we're in these country programs. It's, it's a group of us get together. So, so um, the ones I was passively invested, in fact, I don't think any of them are under hundred units of the passive or part of the general partnership team. So it's just sort of the criteria that we look for in our training. And so, um, and so it's, we all have common goals in that regard. Folks will come to me with, hey, there's a development deal here or this deal over here. And, you know, it's it's been hard to be disciplined and stay away from the bright, shiny and really stick to, to my fundamentals at, at this point. I might learn more about those and branch out at some point, but I really wanted to dive really deep with, with multifamily so that I felt uh, really comfortable with that. And uh, and uh, and so the the size of the units and all that's really just what we all as collectively as a group are, are looking for. Uh, again, people look at other things and bring it to the, our group. But I just I, I, I want to stick to to this multifamily for now. Do you dive deep into kind of the property management side as far as really scrutinizing? Okay, we think we can take this value add, either renovate the units and update it. Is it, hey, property management's really the issue right here. We're going to need to clean house and find somebody new. Because um, that, that key part is managing that asset moving mm-hmm. forward to be able to get the returns, right, that you're sure. projecting. Mm-hmm. And so kind of walk through that that side of the piece of, yeah. of the value add and, and the property management side sure. and, and yeah. how you're going to see that return grow. Yeah, you bring up a good point. And so I mentioned earlier, who do you partner with, right? It's always who do you partner with, who you're working with. They can make or break a situation. And so, uh, yes, and, and the answer to your question is all of those things, right? And mm-hmm. so uh, sometimes, and the way I think of it is not buying real estate. I think about you're buying a business. You're buying a business that's underperforming. Whoever's running the business is doing a poor job. You know, they don't have enough pro- uh, tenants or their, or their market rents are too low or the rents are lower than market average or it's just being poorly run. And so any opportunity to clean up the property, to make it look nice, to to uh, you know, get rid of the folks that aren't paying their rent, to increase the rents if they need to be, as we made the property nicer, uh, and just to clean up the operation of the business, make it run more efficiently. As you know, that increases the debt operating income, which increases the value of the property. So it's really just, I think of it more in terms of looking for a, uh, you know, a poorly run business, and you go in there and you make the business run more efficiently, and then someone comes and buys the business from you, or you just keep running the business and enjoy the profits. Uh, but but you, what you found initially was someone had a business and they really weren't running it properly. So that was your opportunity to come in and very quickly turn things around because there were some problems you could address from the very beginning. Again, I mentioned some of them for tenants, uh, the you know mom and pop shop where they haven't increased the rents in 15 years uh, and the place is dilapidated and come in and make it look really nice, provide some really nice amenities. Get it uh, to the the uh, same uh, rents as the average market in, in, in the area there, and everybody wins, right? Investors make money. The tenants are super happy with the place they live because it looks way better than it did before, and uh, and we're happy that we were able to help both groups. And is is the strategy typically uh, some sort of cash out refi or sell after you've raised the value and then go yeah. move on to something else? Again, the answer is yes. <laughs> what, I love about, what I love about real estate is there's a bunch of options. You just got to keep your mind open. Uh, yeah. Certainly, it really depends on just the overall situation. We, we've done cash out refis in the past and return our investors a, a large chunk, sometimes almost 100%, and then just you know keep uh, keep cash flowing for a while until someone makes us an offer we can't refuse. Or sometimes you know we've gotten into situations where uh, you, there was maybe a few things that we didn't anticipate and not everything is as beautiful as it seems from the beginning, right? Not every first date is a second and third date that's, that's just as good. So there's been a couple of situations where things are going great, but it just made more sense to sell it once we were able to increase the value of the property. So it really, it's whatever makes more sense to our investors and to the group as a whole. That's what we're, we, we do. And, you know, the interesting thing about what's going on now, not to 
muddy the waters a little bit, but who knows what that what the uh, end game is going to be over the next 18 to 24 months because the, the environment's changing so much right now. And on a project like that, mm-hmm. um, just to give folks a, a little bit of perspective, how many mm-hmm. investors are a part of that group? So if you're taking down 300 units, um, you know, roughly how many investors are, are going to be a part of that deal? Oh, it could vary greatly, um, you know, because some folks will bring, you know, 1031s and larger chunks of money and things like that. But it could be, you know, 20 to 80, 100, you know, maybe like 80, maybe a lot, but, uh, you know, um, 20 to 60, 80, somewhere in there, typically. And it's and it's it's a network, I'm sorry, it's a network of all of our gender partnership group, but we all bring it to our network and, and people we know and invite them to invest alongside us. And we all, of course, invest passively alongside our investors. It wouldn't make any sense for me to say, hey, Mike, this is a great deal here. You say, Rod, what about you? Are you investing? No, but I think it's a great deal for you. But that wouldn't make any sense. So we all invest alongside passively, of course. Well, and I think what you're talking about speaks to the relationship, the key of the relationship, because if you're buying properties of different sizes, different locations, different strategies, right? There's so many moving pieces. And even we talked about exit strategies, right? There's multiple things you can Mm -hmm. do. People need to know that they're working with people that they trust. Because if I'm one of those 20 to 80 people, um, okay, this strategy we might be executing here, but now we're going to go over to this state to a different complex and do something different. I have to know that you're going to take care of me and mm-hmm. that that we're going to work through that. And, and to line up 80 people to be kind of on a similar page to where we're all bought into this project is important. And so that's where I think it comes back to the value of the relationship, the trust capital that you've already built with these people to say, yes, take my money. We're going to do this and we're going to grow it together. Absolutely. And and the transparency and communication, right? You have to be able to communicate when things go really well and maybe when things don't go so well, or here's where we are. Here's the, you just got to be able to communicate all the time so people know exactly what what, 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 what page you're on. But to your point, you know, one of the, probably uh, one of the, the um, times I felt most validated is a, a good friend of mine who is uh, an anesthesiologist I use on a regular basis. I'm just chatting in the operating room. He said many times, I just don't really feel comfortable about talking about money and stuff like that. And I said, well, no, you make a lot of it. Probably better, you probably better be comfortable about talking about it. And I've just been talking to him about what I'm doing over time and putting no pressure on him. And I invited him to jump on a webinar where I was presenting a property and he did. And, and uh, you know, I, I followed up with him and, you know, he tried to ask a few questions not to seem like a pushover. And he basically said, Rod, you know, I don't really know anything about this, but if you're putting your money in it and I trust you, I'm going to invest because I trust who you are. And I thought to me, that was like, that. you know, that's, that's validated what I'm doing. Of course, it also motivated me to work even harder to make sure that he gets a, a good result. Um, but you're right. Uh, it's, it's about trust. It's about who you know. It's about who you're working with for sure. Well, and too, because the, the end game here, you know, what's going to make life a lot easier for you is, is I give you my money you help me make money on this property. Now we're going to go do it again and again and again. And so it's, you know, I'll give you $2, turn it into four, turn it into eight, turn it into 16. And we go from there. So that's where that relationship is really important. If I give you money one time and you mess around with it and screw up, well, I'm not going to be very likely to give it to you again. So you have to earn that relationship every time, every deal to be able to continue to grow that with them. And if you do that, you don't have to find as many new people because you've got that great pool of of current investors built up. Absolutely. It's interesting you say that because one of my one of my uh, mental blocks, I guess, if you will, early on was, uh, and, and you know, this is me, me putting my money into these projects, but it was going to people and talking to them about it, not because I didn't believe in it, because it terrified me to take somebody's $100,000. I mean, you know, you take some $100,000 from somebody, 
that's that's nerve wracking. It makes me more nervous than doing surgery, to be honest with you. And so, um, it, it, but that's what you know because I feel a, a an obligation to do a good job. Uh, you know, it's one thing if it's my money, but if it's someone else's, it's even more of an obligation to do a good job. And so, uh, um, yeah, and like you said, if you do a good job, then people say, okay, great, I like that one. Where's the next one? And so, hopefully, that'll happen this year. We're looking to sell. It looks like we're going to be selling soon, and and we're always looking for good deals. So. Well, and if you kind of to put it back into the medical analogy, like if if I'm trusting you to, you know, with with my body, with the the ailment that I have with the procedure that you're going to do, um, if it gets screwed up and, you know, I can't walk right or I got to come back and we got to do it again, that's a big problem. And it's it's the same thing here, too, like you said. And and yeah, these are people's dreams, goals, future plans, um, you know, second homes, homes for grandkids down the road. And if you're building generational wealth, that can really move on. So there's a level of weight that we have to have with that money, knowing that this this is a big deal for people that I'm really giving you my life savings in a lot of cases to 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 help make me money on this asset. Absolutely. And uh, one of the things that we do that is their other option is usually Wall Street, which we'll go down that road. But, uh, you know, that that's I see this what we're doing as a way better option for many reasons that are not probably part of this discussion today. But uh, when you have that confidence of knowing I'm doing the right thing, again, my money's right alongside theirs. My mom and dad at 70, 70 years old, their money's right alongside as well. So that's uh, that you know, that speaks volumes as to as to the confidence that I have in the projects and the teams that I, I'm a part of, and, and really, uh, you know, some basic principles of, of what I learned in the mastermind group is you know never be the smartest person in the room. That's easy. I'm probably a lot of smart people. When I'm uh, with our, our teams, our sponsorship teams, there's a lot of folks that are very talented and very smart, and we leverage each other's strengths, right? And so, uh, um, so yeah, it's it's been a blessing overall for sure. And I was also going to say too, kind of going back to the the medical analogy, really tr- trusting the training and the work that you've put in, you know, when, when you're doing surgery on somebody or, or you're doing a complicated procedure, you got to trust all that work, all that knowledge that you gained, all the practice that you've had going into that here. When somebody says, take my money, you got to trust the work, the knowledge that you've put into it, that this is the, this is a good asset too. Absolutely. Using that knowledge even, even further. There's been times in surgery where not everything goes as planned. And so you got to realize, okay, I had plan A, that didn't work so well. But I also had plan B, C, and D in my in my back pocket. So uh, let's see which one of those will work. Same thing with real estate. You can say this is our plan for the property. Well, something changed. It didn't, you know, that, that's no longer going to be the best option. So being able to, to to have other options available based on your training, based you know, those are there's a lot of good analogies there for sure. No question about it. Yeah. One analogy. One thing that is different though is this is leverageable, and the medical income is not. I, I always tell people I'm like a plumber. If I don't, if a plumber doesn't fix my my plumbing, he doesn't get paid. If I don't do surgery or see patients, I don't get paid. It might be a larger number per hour, but at the end of the day, I can't leverage it. I can't go do what I do as a doctor on the beach or in the mountains, but I can do real estate on the beach or in the mountains any day. And and yeah, as you continue to build that cash flow is going to continue to grow yeah, too. So absolutely. yeah, I mean, you can, you can build a business, you can have your own practice. There's mm-hmm. ways to leverage others, but, but mm-hmm. yeah, real estate's just different. So what, what's kind of the the next steps for you? What's the future hold in terms of your, your practice, your, your mm-hmm. medical business that you have yeah. as well as your real estate? So uh, hopefully closer to five, uh, you know, here's the thing. When I joined that mastermind group and I joined network marketing, I was a stressed out burned out, kind of angry. Not the, not the guy you see before you today. My perspective has changed. Now I look at the bright side of things as much as possible because now that I have a, an escape plan, if you will, life looks a lot more less daunting than when you just nose to the grindstone with no escape plan or hoping your financial planner is telling you the right stuff. 
So what I realized is I really love what I do. I love practicing orthopedic surgery on children. What I don't love is the grind of having to, to run the business and the volume. So my ultimate goal from the practice perspective will just be to work two days a week pro bono. Just have somebody come in, purchase the practice from me or run it or, or, or work with my, my PAs and nurse practitioners and, and really just go and, and see as few patients as I want. If I want to stay and chat and, and take my time per patient instead of 30 a day, maybe just schedule me 10 a day and I'll, and I'll take a salary. I do it for free. I don't charge the patient because I have something else paying my, my, my family's over Overhead, paying for my dreams and my insurance and my travel and all the, you know, my family stuff. Uh, and so that's my goal is to be able to, to back away from, from the, uh, the, 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 uh, this trap that medicine is where you have to just work so hard and do it for free, but on my terms, on the days that I want. If I don't want to schedule patients that day, I just, I just don't, I don't have that freedom right now. Uh, as far as real estate goes, you know, to get there, I've got to get the message out and just help more people. The only way I can create income to do what my dreams is that other people create passive income for their dreams. And so uh, it's really much of the same. It's it's looking for more deals and partnering with more people. Uh, although my ultimate goal is to have uh, various asset classes. So have my multifamily partners, have my self-storage partners, have my, you know, is it a residential assistant living partners. Um, you know, one of the things that we do when we help people create uh, passive cash flow is we create a tax problem. So I'm also working in the oil and gas industry for tax mitigation investments that really help you re reduce your tax load, which is also great for high net worth folks like uh, doctors, lawyers, engineers, things like that. So what's on the future is is continuing to get, get better at this and streamline these processes, but also sort of branch out into other asset classes so that ultimately we're more fluid. Like there might be a time when this asset class is way better than this one. That's great. We have options. We have, it's not just one thing that we're doing. So, but we dove in deep with with, uh, with uh, multifamily initially and then tax mitigation through the oil and gas industries are our next thing we're looking into in 2023. That's awesome. That's that's really exciting, and it's just fun to hear, like you said, the 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 change of your life. How you were, you know, angry, a little bit more angry, a little bit more frustrated. Didn't really know kind of how to get out, and now it's like, yeah, you see the light at the end of the tunnel because of professional development. You've become a different person, and uh, and so that's what what real estate can do, and also just working on yourself, right? Yes, yeah, that yes. the personal development, I believe, that is, is really important as well. That's exciting to hear. Absolutely. Yeah. It uh, It's because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether it's from your family, your spouse, your friends, your job, your your real estate. The way I, I tell my kids, there's a thing that happens to you. And there's a story that you tell yourself around the thing that happens to you. And that's really what, what you focus on. So if you want to have a different response, tell yourself a different story. Tell yourself a positive story. This is what happened. And that's okay. It's going to be good. And here's why. Not, oh, shucks, what I do now? What was me? You know, like, that's not going to help anybody at all. What advice would you give to somebody that's looking at getting into real estate? Somebody in the medical profession right now mm -hmm. that's like, gosh, I'm just feeling the grind right now. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know people in real estate. I don't really know where to get started, but I know I want to do something. What What would you recommend? I think what I'd recommend is, is to some degree, educate yourself a little bit. Now I'm, ask, I'm asking them to go to six or eight or 10 conferences, real estate conferences a year like I do, uh, but at least get, you know, some idea of what, what is out there real estate wise. Uh, you can go to different conferences, you know, investor conferences or a bunch of different ones. And then, and then it's create relationships, right? At those conferences, you might be people doing deals or ask a bunch of questions, ask your friends and colleagues, Hey, do you have anybody, do you know anybody that's investing in real estate and, 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 and get, you know, Increase your network, right? They say your network is your net worth. Well, if you increase your network and then, and then create those relationships, and really, and really, you have to have a base knowledge to know that that uh, I mean, if you can't at least read the performer, you probably shouldn't be investing. You don't have to be an expert, but have some base knowledge. But really, it all boils down to people and partnerships. And so, find people. Uh, the the uh, 
for like I said, various, various different ways that are doing uh, that. Uh, you know, become uh, become um, friendly with them, get to know them, see if that's the kind of person you want to partner with. Um, but but at the end of the day, again, it involves education, which usually revolves around either a podcast or or a, a, a conferences. Or you know, these days, there's all kinds of online conferences, and, and and you can find there's a bunch of resources out there. I think that people just look. And I think that the challenge for some people probably too is not really understanding is is this a good resource? Is this a bad resource? Because there's a lot of junk out there too. And so for somebody new, um, I I would say sometimes people are hesitant to take action because they're fearful of taking the wrong action. And so that's where education comes in. The more you educate yourself, the more you'll be able to help determine who's a great resource, who's maybe not such a great resource. And that's the hard step. So people tend to, to just get into not doing anything because they fear that they might do the wrong thing. Well, you hit the nail on the head. You know, uh, my first investment was in a single family home and I lost $40,000, right? So you can imagine when I, uh, you know, fast forward about a year and a half when I was looking at these performers thinking, okay, I've got the money. Uh, and this makes sense. I got cold feet twice. I said, no, no, I can't do it. It wasn't until the third. I said, what am I, what am I doing all this for? I got to invest. And so I did. And it went great and just made me wish I hadn't waited, you know, uh, I invested in the, the, deal, the deal, two two deals before. But um, yeah, it's... um. It did today, it's about education, but you're right. You don't really know if you partner with the right person until you get down the road a little bit, right? Hindsight's mm-hmm. always 2020. And so, um, I, you know, I'm not sure how you avoid that rather than just try to do due diligence, try to ask some questions. And uh, I, I, for me personally, I can get the sense really quickly. And if I want to do business with you or not, I mean, I could be, I could have a 10 minute conversation with someone and think to myself, my eyes, my mind is open to do business with them, or, uh, you know, I just, I don't see myself doing business with that person. That's me now. I just, uh, there's certain criteria I look for, you know, people, how, their, their mentality, their, their positivity, their outlook, things like that. Not everybody has is able to do that. Um, I couldn't do that five years ago. That's just me now and uh, the way I kind of look at life and look at things. And I, th- I think one thing, too, to add on top of that is embrace the suck. Like you're not going to necessarily know what a what a home run deal looks like yeah. your first time out. And so you have to get through the first, the second, the third, the 10th to the 20th to really know like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Too many people think that the first one's got to be perfect and you have to kind of go through that learning curve and, and mm-hmm. treating it like an educational expense you had a $40,000 educational expense, your first property, and mm-hmm. now you're making more on your future deals because mm-hmm. you went through that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't recommend people make a $40,000 educational expense like I did, but you're right. I mean, uh, like my friend says, there's no lesson like a bot lesson. You certainly remember that uh, for sure. And, and you do have to kind of go, you know, um, you know, through, sometimes it's it's getting in a smaller deal at first, or or maybe it's a, a deal with someone you want from, like, sometimes it's a friend or a friend, so they bring some the trust factor there. But, but, you know, you have to take action. At the end of the day, uh, uh, fortune favors of those to take action. And so that's what I, one of the things I've learned is that I can, as a surgeon, I can analyze all day. I can complicate anything, to be honest with you, but you don't, the magic doesn't happen until you take action. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing. Uh, for people that want to know more about you and, and learn more about what you're up to, how can they do that? They can uh, reach me at freedom at fortisequitygroup.com. That's freedom at fortisequitygroup, F-O-R-T-I-S, equitygroup.com. To send me an email and uh, or you can go to fortisequitygroup.com website and schedule a call. I'd love to uh, uh, connect with folks and just let them know what we're doing and see if it fits into their uh, their overall game plan. If it does, I'd love to help them. And if not, there's lots of options out there. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. I'm excited that you're able to 
to share your wisdom with everybody and to see how real estate has had such an impact on your life and excited that you're wanting to help others do the same. So thank you so much for coming on. 